Welcome to the Region by All Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Dean Felix Tricot, a certified integrative health practitioner, level one and two, certified in blood chemistry and functional lab testing. I love helping people with GI issues, weight loss, mold exposure, heavy metals, misters problems, and health optimization. I love helping people get to the root cause of their health struggles and simplify healing. Ready to transform your health? Go to regionbiome.com and click book a call. All the support is greatly appreciated. If you enjoy, please write a five-star review on iTunes or the platform of your choice. Enjoy the podcast and please share this with anyone that this would help. Welcome to episode 19 of the Region Biome podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure to interview Dr. Mara Bargeron. On this episode, we are going to be unpacking a critical topic of preconception planning, how important that is, many things about blood chemistry that needs to be addressed before conceiving and thinking of having, having a child, fixing nutritional deficiencies, uh, looking for things like infections before conceiving. And so there's multiple steps and really a critical topic that I think is very important to talk about. And because I think that children deserve to have the best life as possible, they come to life to, on this hurt, uh, not by choice. So I think they deserve really, uh, it's, it's, it's a very important thing to address. But again, before we uh, begin, please note that the information shared in this episode is for educational purposes only and should not be considered a medical advice. We always recommend consulting with a qualified healthcare professional regarding your specific health concerns or condition. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Region Biome Podcast. Today's guest, I have the beautiful, amazing Dr. Mara on the show. I'm really excited to have her on. Uh, we're going to be talking about, she's going to be sharing her story, but sharing a lot about preconception and uh, female mom health, kids health, and all of that, how important that is. Uh, so welcome, Mara. Hello. Excited for our conversation. Hello. I know it's been a while, so I mean, it's going to be, uh, yeah, because we've been chatting for quite some time, a little bit on genetics, and we had conversation going back and forth on Instagram a few times, and so I thought, why not do a podcast on that, on, on that? so I think that would be a, a perfect thing for people. And my question to you is, like, what got you started in the, in the health in the health space, in the health field? Like, what got you here? Like, why? Because I think, like, oftentimes we all... We all start from a place of our own struggle, but I haven't got the chance to hear your story. So uh, I'd love to hear this. Yeah, well, I actually, funny enough, in my, I always call it like my first life, but I used to be a neuropsychologist and I worked in the school okay. actually. So I used to um, diagnose kids um, for a number of disabilities to qualify them for special education services. And um, kind of back in, I think I was doing my internship in 2012 or 2011, and I remember just talking to a lot of um, kind of baby boomer teachers, like veteran teachers, and they would always tell me things like, you know, things have changed so drastically since, you know, when I taught in the 90s and the 80s, and, you know, we didn't have like allergy allergen free classrooms like you know no peanut classrooms we didn't have so many kids on you know that had inhalers for asthma we didn't have so many kids with behavioral disorders and 
you know, neurodevelopmental disorders. And I'm just a very curious investigative mind. So I always like to figure things out. Um, you know, when I always took those, um, you know, those career quizzes and when you were in school. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I remember those. <laughs> it always came up with detective for me, <laughs> which kind of like really <laughs> goes so along funny. with like my career as like a neuropsych because I had to figure out why kids were struggling um, in school. And now like in the root cause, I kind of call myself a root cause practitioner, but you know, as a root cause practitioner, I'm sure you can relate. We we're kind of, we have to figure out what's going on with people. Like why don't they feel well and how do we get to the bottom of, you know, what their underlying conditions or the root causes are. So it's a very investigative um, path. So that's always just been very interesting to me. So I just kind of just went on this deep dive um, and completely changed careers. Um, I think I was like one year in when I decided, okay, well, I think I'm going to go in a different direction. I kind of want to, um, I started just mm. researching a lot and seeing like the root causes of a lot of these conditions and why just as a society, we're just far unhealthier than we used to be. Um, had lots of conversations with parents and grandparents and how, you know, their perspective and how, you know, things were mm. just so drastically different. Even talking to my grandma, she would tell me like she had never met anyone in her whole life that struggled with fertility. Um, she had never really, you know, seen like a child with autism until like the late nineties. Um, just like a drastic difference <laughs> that's happened in a very short period of time. Um, so I just got very interested Huge. more so in like trying to kind of more so heal the, these kids so they just have, you know, a better life, um, better outcomes so they can kind of be the best version of themselves, the healthiest version of themselves, um, but also trying to prevent these things from happening in the first place. So that's kind of where now I feel like my biggest passion is working with women in the preconception kind of stage of life and it's such a huge thing such a huge need so and and kudos to you i know I, and going to school is not like it's not an easy thing i will say like i, I mean i didn't go through uni or and all of that so kudos to to you and and i think and we all go into this space and we truly we really want to make a difference and and it, it, you touch base on on some key things and it's funny because i had my grandmother here visiting not long ago and we were having a, this conversation and just like you mentioned like how we didn't have any of these conditions before and my grandmother like basically like grew up and <laughs> like in the house where there was no cars there was like she, she really lived that time of where there was no electricity in the house there was there was like the, there's no electric stove and and so but none of that stuff was happening and people weren't getting sick and i asked her i'm like what was the diet like and it was what we were getting from the garden or from the farm and that was it you know so it's so interesting and in how things started really shifting in the 90s and i'm a 90s baby i was born in 1992 uh, so, and I, I don't know, I just, it's, it's, a, it's crazy the the big shift that we went through and I didn't grow up like on a bunch of like, I would say junk food, but, um, it's, yeah, some of it I would say with processed, but not most of it, but, and do you find like most of the people that you see like with preconception, is that like a huge thing that people are struggling with, with diet and, uh, being 
or do you what from what you see uh how is diet impactful in preconception Oh, it's huge. I, I will say with my audience, I, I don't get a lot of people who, you know, tell me that they're eating like Chick-fil-A every day or they're eating like a lot of processed foods, um, <laughs> but they, <laughs> but they're still not, you know, we, we definitely need to optimize their diet. You know, there's very few, you know, I think we had, you know, talked, DM'd a couple of times about the, you know, the chronometer and how, you know, impactful mm, that can love be chronometer. In, really like optimizing your diet because, you know, we do, and I didn't think this, you know, years ago, I thought, you know, as long as you're eating just a whole food diet, um, you know, organic, you know, grass fed meats, pastured meats. Um, but it does go far beyond that, you know, in order to optimize your diet, you know, and I think with blood work and also, I also use HTMA, which can kind of show your oxidation, um, data. So if you're like a mm -hmm. slow oxidizer, fast oxidizer mixed, that can, you know, your blood work and that can kind of help us figure out along with what conditions you have. If you've been exposed to mold or if you have thyroid issues, um, adrenal issues can kind of help us figure out what diet would be optimal for you because I, there's, is no diet out there that is going to work for everyone. Um, and I know a lot of people try a lot of these things. Like there's no one's going to always benefit from the, the paleo diet or keto or anything like that. I feel like it really does need to be optimized. Uh, 100%. I mean, it's, it's not, it's never a, si a one size fits all for everybody. And, you know, and, and I know like more of your expertise is really around thyroid function. And uh, maybe we can just dive into that. And like, what do you, what are the common things you see in preconception when, when, uh, mothers are coming to you and because they're struggling with which issues either if it's uh, uh, I'm not sure like if you if it's a lot of infertility uh, PCOS I know being a big thing on it's like it's so popular and, and thyroid issues it's just and I mean for us in Canada like I, and I talked about this yesterday in my stories and I was like it, it is almost impossible to get a full thyroid run run up or check in Canada so uh, how's that been for you like with the whole thyroid and how does that work? Uh, what do you see the most? And yeah, something we can yeah, dive into I that. Yeah, I feel like when, when women come to me, whether it's, um, you know, in the preconception phase or not, I do see a lot of common themes. <laughs> um, lots of women kind of telling me they feel like they're in fight or flight. They feel like they're in the exhaustion kind of burnout phase, especially if they're mothers. Um, you know, obvious kind of adrenal mm -hmm. hormone, including thyroid issues, um, just very low energy, low libido, um, just kind of overall not feeling a lot of energy and vitality. Um, it's just really common with a lot, a lot of moms that I work with. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, and, and then with kids as well too, it was like with, uh, because normally with, with uh, when people come, so you, you normally have like a full rundown with thyroid or like blood work and um, yeah, like I what do you with, normally like to look at? Yeah, with a, with adults, I haven't found anyone that would not benefit from a lot of functional blood work and an HTMA. I do love the heritation mineral analysis. Um, in kids, it really depends. Um, it really kind of depends on they're presenting conditions, you know, whether or not, you know, like an organic acids test is going to be helpful or, you know, a stool mm, test or yeah. like that. Um, but I do feel, and 
I, um, and I know your expertise is a lot in, you know, epigenetics and the genetic side of things, which I'm, I'm always like very fascinated by. I do think a lot of women at the preconception level could really benefit from um, just knowing more like how to optimize mm. their genes. Oh, hundred percent. I think, I mean, and I know we, we both really enjoy that topic and in preconception and, and I think like understanding that, uh, and to this day, I think like we most even thyroid issues, or I think a lot of people are really struggling with poor absorption, but poor micronutrient status. And this is why I love like, and how you use the tool with chronometer and chronometer is such a great tool. I mean, it just can tell you really what you're getting in and, but I'll, I'll, how much of that do we get? We don't know exactly, but at least it gives you like a pretty darn amazing, like <laughs> you can see how much vitamin A I'm getting in, how much vitamin D, E, A and K and all of that. So, but micronutrient deficiencies, definitely. And on a genetic standpoint, I think in preconception, um, my goodness, the, the first two things that comes to mind is definitely making sure you're choline. So, because what was I, uh, I was looking at, uh, I just did a big presentation on blood chemistry and uh, precision nutrition. They had a chart back in 2009 that they did. Choline was not part of it, but I know choline is one of the things that uh, for cell membrane. So if your cells don't have the choline and enough phosphorus, phosphorus, I don't think it's a problem nowadays. When people eat a lot of processed foods, you get a lot of phosphorus in it. But, uh, but people that are actually eating pretty darn healthy, actually kind of uh, I see it oftentimes people can be low in, in some really these key nutrients or minerals but choline being one of them uh, estrogen will help boost that but that's why I feel like my goodness if you look into like MTHFR I mean your methylation oh, some people it's such a big word that just turns on and turns off genetics but uh, it's not that complex like, well it's complex but it's not we don't have to overcomplicate it um, but if you're not having enough choline, definitely uh, for methylation, then your MTHFR pathway is going to work a lot more than your PC. Yeah. So you can go both ways. So if one one starts going down because it's it's not getting enough substrate or like V9 per se or zinc, uh, then the other one's going to work more. So, and that's is where I think with uh, a lot of people, uh, it's going to be a big problem because if one starts running down, and overusing some key nutrients is going to be a big problem. So especially for cells and like, yeah. like brain development and chill and, and kids, it's huge. Oh, definitely. I remember um, there's a study I really love that showed, you know, when, when moms have optimal choline levels, um, you know, at preconception and during pregnancy, that's really predictive of kids' memory, their attention and their processing speed in childhood. So, <clears throat> you know, that can really help yeah. foster like a solid higher IQ in kids. So, and even with other nutrients, you know, we know in pregnancy, you know, moms, pregnancy typically takes like four, I think it's like four pounds of mom's minerals, like 30% micronutrients. And I mean, I wow. think we can, we can, it's safe to say, I don't know the exact figures on this, but probably 90 something percent at least of moms, if not more are, you know, deficient themselves, you know, at preconception, much less you know, having enough and, you know, your body will take what it needs um, for that baby. So I think a lot of times in even other nutrients like vitamin D, iron, zinc, that can cause like low growth for babies. So, you know, we, we really need to be aware of like your micronutrient status, your mineral status is extremely important. 
um, during that preconception, um, mm -hmm. prenatal um, phase, just to make sure that you know you're going to have a healthy pregnancy. Your you know your child will be as healthy as as possible, and um, you know, and after after the baby's born. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's it's crazy. I think to the point of my. I mean, I'm not a fan of micronutrients panel per se, uh, some more markers than others, but definitely having that check and that's good. That's amazing. Like if you and even you said like tracking that with clients, do you test a lot like micronutrients or things with clients per se? Not often. It's also kind of an expensive test. Um, so I, mm, I more I so know. do the HCMA and I, I try to look at other things like through blood work. Um, if I can, because yeah. that a lot of people, you know, don't have, as you know, a lot of the most important functional labs out there are not covered by insurance. So, you know, I try to utilize <laughs> blood work and HTMA, oh. which are a little bit more affordable than, you know, running Absolutely. micronutrient panels and <laughs> having people spend thousands of dollars on, mm -hmm. on labs. Oh, and I mean, just a simple CBC panel and CMP panel can tell you so much oh, on yeah. somebody's oh, yeah. um, metabolic functions, micronutrients, especially micronutrients. And it's, it's to me, it's, it's ludicrous that most people, this is probably like a CBC and CMP are probably, I don't know, I would love to see the stats of this and how many of these specific labs are being run worldwide. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like the OGs, like, this is where blood work shines so much because I'm like, well, my like, and it can tell you like B6 deficiencies, B12, B9, vitamin C, and iron, and a lot of these like zinc, copper being what calcium, potassium, sodium, all of this can tell you, and sodium, potassium pump. And I, that's one thing that I actually recently, um, how responsible and a lot of people with thyroid issues they say like all thyroid really regulates the metabolism but what actually does that is the sodium and potassium pump there's so much to like unravel with this and not like even myself to dig into but i'm like whoa i'm like if we don't have like our ph or uh, our ph balance if you're too acidic it's going to be an issue which you can tell from like a cmp panel and and your kidneys. I think that's what we were talking about with chronometer. And I asked you about the Prowl score. Are you actually like looking at this? Because it's a cool feature that's on the Pro one, I think. But it's like your kidneys will take years before it can actually. I'm, and I, I, I'm not sure if the, you heard the same thing too. But like you can have one kidney and on blood chemistry, it could look completely normal. <laughs> oh, I know. Same with liver. So if it's like. like uh, I feel <laughs> The liver enzymes, I feel like, I mean, I have so many people who I, I know for absolute certainty just with their symptoms that they've got sluggish liver pathways. And then, you know, the liver enzymes will be like completely normal, <laughs> like in the optimal range. So I do feel like it Excite. takes a long time sometimes for it to show up. Oh, man. I mean, it's the same thing. And I, I, I don't know if you run serum bile acids in with clients. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but oh, amazing! I'm like, now that I don't hear a lot of people running it, and I think that's just something. Do you see women that have issues? Because I mean, we're talking about bile, and I've been like preaching bile for the past couple of days, and I'm like, okay, you guys, like, you, you gotta hear, listen up, you know. After this blood, <laughs> this blood uh, present blood work presentation that I did, I'm like, 
this just lit a fire in me. And I, I, and I saw some of the studies like with bile acids being, um, I know we're digging into blood work, but <laughs> it's so, it's so important, but especially with women with uh, cholestasis, right? Stagnant bile. So do you see there's yeah. a lot of a woman that has like stagnation of bile? Oh yeah. I always I've seen lots and lots of bile issues. And we know like um, with women, gallbladder issues are actually more common in women. Um than, than men. So it's, it's absolutely something that, you know, a typical physician is typically not going to look at. I, I've never seen someone send me their blood work from, you know, their PCP or whomever, and it actually have that on there. Um, as you know, I mean, I think, you know, physicians, they're kind of looking at more life or death things and um, they're not really necessarily mm-hmm. looking at, you know, prevention and optimal health, obviously. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's, and we need acute medicine, like we need acute care, of course, like, I mean, that's why I always say the same thing. If you break your arm, you just don't come see me because it's not gonna go well. (laughs) Can't do nothing. Well, I can help you and repair and, and how can we heal that faster? Once you get that fixed. But I mean, otherwise, I'm like, can't do anything. But no, it's so important. I think and then bile. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, I I, I experienced that sometimes too, where I have people that come to me a little too late, um, where I'm like, well, I think you need to be screened by an MD. (laughs) Um, You know, if you're, if they're kind of coming to me with an urgent issue, like, you know, the, you know, I I do have a lot of success with gallbladder issues with, with women um, Mm -hmm. who get like gallstones and things like that. But if you kind of come to me a little too late where, you know, you're about to, it's about to rupture, you know, I can't really help you at that point. Um, or, you know, you've got bloody stools or something like that. Like, you know, we've kind of going to have to work. Oh, with yeah, yes. yeah. Conventional medicine doctor <laughs> at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and what, and gallstones and that, like, how do you go about that? Like, what do you like, what's your most, um, uh, so not natural approach, but what's your approach with that? Like, what, how do you go about it? Well, I work with a lot of people with, with gallbladder issues, a lot of, a lot of women, and they, they all tend to have different, different things going on. Um, you know, for some people I see like a lot of like estrogen dominance. I see a lot of like blood sugar issues, um, you know, lack of bile, just their, their diet is just very deficient. Um, you know, I see a lot of like mold exposure that can contribute to that. Um, so it's definitely a bio individual, but I, I have had a lot of success in women who report like just a lot of gallbladder pains um, and then, you know, kind of no longer having those pains. Um, and, you know, even many, you know, they've gone back to their their PCP or whomever, their GI doctor, and they kind of did like a you know, they looked at their gallbladder again, and they've seen like just a drastic decrease um, or a complete elimination of mm. like the gallstone. So it is possible. It's just you, you you have to address things when you start seeing symptoms versus when waiting too long to where it becomes kind of a an emergency type of situation. Yeah, and I think like the whole the whole bile stagnation that's going to be a massive contributor to that. So to to gallstones and having this cholesterol crystal. I mean, there's so much fear mongering with like oxalates. Like, I don't know how you feel with, <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. so many different thoughts on that. Um, 
<laughs> and I'm just like, really? I'm like, I have one of my great men, my mentor, Joel Green. It's just amazing. He just really unraveled that, how really the gut microbiome, optimizing the gut microbiome is really important to break down oxalates or like a B6 is going to be a big okay. problem because uh, in order for yes. you to convert those oxalates, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's I massive. And so I don't do... Yeah, and I don't do a, a whole lot of. Uh, I think we have like a, a small delay. And that's why. <laughs> so I'm not trying yeah. to cut you off. Sometimes it might sound like, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. We'll just go a bit slower. Uh, but yeah, with thyroid, like this is why because I I I will run thyroid panels, uh, but there's I think there's a lot maybe to learn from it and from a I don't know from a from your perspective, like what do you how do you like to approach like thyroid issues or hypothyroidism is probably the most common thing. Uh, but what do you normally see or like to do when it comes down to some cases with uh, hypothyroid or thyroid issues in general? I see a lot of, um, I, I it's kind of rare that I see hyper, like you said, it's usually more hypo, um, mm. kind of reduced thyroid function at the cellular level. Um, but I, I think with blood work, we can kind of see what's kind of happening as to like what could be like a root cause versus, you know, and I'm not saying a, not, you know, some women won't need, you know, medication like armor or things like that. I'm not saying that, you know, in a hundred percent of cases you can <laughs> completely avoid it. But I do work with a lot of women who um, we are able to kind of re reverse that. Um, and I think in blood work, and I also use HTMA as well, but I think in blood work, when mm -hmm. you run a full panel, you can see um, specifically what's causing that. Um, like for me, it was a lot of nervous system dysregulation, adrenal issue stress mm -hmm. that was causing a lot of my thyroid issues. Um, you know, sluggish liver is going to cause that. Um, any kind of like infection, inflammation in the body can cause a lot of that. Um, so I think just running a full panel, um, even, you know, certain gut issues are going to cause that deficiencies. You know, most women are not getting like enough um, selenium. They're not getting enough iodine in their diet. And I, it seems almost criminal that we're not looking at someone's diet before we're putting them on thyroid meds. But, mm. um, but just a lot of foundational things are really impactful to to help women with this um, hypothyroid and hypothyroid symptoms that they're, mm. that they're having. Absolutely. And, I, and that's why it goes back to micronutrients <laughs> foundation. Yeah. I mean, how often we see this like low selenium, low iodine or vitamin, low vitamin, vitamin A. I mean, oh my goodness, like vitamin A is if you want to have a glow and your skin and your immune system, like now people, like if you're, if you're, I mean, this is my podcast, but I'm like, if people are freaking out for winter coming, I'm like, well, optimize your micronutrient status and you'll do a lot better. <laughs> um, yeah. Vitamin A being one of them. like, Yeah. And even from a, you know, a, a preconception standpoint, I mean, thyroid function is just imperative before you conceive a child because your, your baby is initially going to be utilizing and relying on mom's thyroid function. Um, so that's just in, it can, there's just a lot of complications that can come from low thyroid function, like miscarriages, um, in women. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Actually, wow, that's interesting. That's interesting, actually. So, I yeah, mean, yeah, because inf- um, a lot of different conditions, even that you know, you can you can prevent. I think with preconception prep, it can really help you. First of all, have an easier time conceiving. It can help you have an easier pregnancy. I think we're so it's so ingrained in us that pregnancy is supposed to be like this awful period of time where you're just so symptomatic and you're just throwing up and nauseous and you've got HG um, and you know, you're swollen and you have acid reflux and you're on bed rest. <laughs> like none of those things are common. And I think you can absolutely avoid a lot of that. And also just having an easier labor um, with less complications and having just healthier offspring with, you know, a child that is just healthy, optimally healthy and doesn't experience, you know, health complications and um, neurodevelopmental delays and developmental delays in general. I think that preconception stage is just really, really imperative um, to kind of reversing a lot of those things. Like we know with HG, like women who are like, throwing up quite a bit. What is HG? Yeah, that's so something to know about me. I'm horrible at pronouncing things. And once no, thing, no I, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I think it's like hypermesis, hypermesis gavardium or something. I know, I know okay. I'm pronouncing it wrong. Anytime it's like okay, H. Condition. pylori. Okay. I know it's like H. pylori. <laughs> but like every time it's like once I pronounce something a certain way, it's like my, my brain has a hard time pronouncing it the correct way once I know how to correctly pronounce it. Um, but yeah, HG is for, you know, with when a lot of women have um, just like vomiting, um, a lot of times it's throughout the entire pregnancy or it's throughout the entire first trimester, like three months. A lot of women I work with, they have had it sometimes even five months in um, where they even have to be hospitalized um, because they're just not getting their extremely dehydrated. They're not eating um, because they're just throwing up on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day. Mm. So, um, you know, and I think a lot of people think it's, you know, how everyone says like everything's genetic, but it's like when they, when doctors mm-hmm. don't have like a, a reason behind something, I feel like the genetic word kind of <laughs> comes. <laughs> Honey, it's idiopathic. We don't know. So let's call it, it's, it's, it's your genetics. <laughs> yes. But I worked with, we know, and I know from research, it's like all over PubMed. Um, and I worked with so many moms with this where I've worked with them on the um, crazy. You know, optimal health and, you know, kind of working on a lot of their underlying conditions and root causes. And they have not had it in their subsequent pregnancies. I've had women who've had it with their first two and I've worked with them before their third one and they haven't had it on their third one. So there, there are reasons for it. A lot of one, um, a couple big ones that we know of are mast cell activation and H. pylori um, is a, yeah, is are are some root causes to that. So, um, and even you know, kind of when you look at autism, it's kind of like a very complex condition. Um, there's not like one thing that causes it, but you know, there's a lot of research even on you know maternal immune activation. And when moms have, you know, infections like um, autoimmunity or they've got type 1, type 2 diabetes, like a lot of inflammation during pregnancy, like 
that maternal immune activation can like induce microglial activation, oxidative stress, significant like um, mitochondrial dysfunction, and that can cause like neuroinflammation and neurodevelopmental pathologies in kids. So there's there's just so many things <laughs> that you can prevent. Oh, I love that you touched base on this and uh, you talked about Mastel. Oh my gosh, I'm like, which rabbit hole are we going to dig in? <laughs> it's crazy. And I mean, I'm a huge fan. Obviously, one of my mentors is uh, the Holistic Savage, so Brendan Vermeyer. So you talked about microglial activation, which that's the whole, like the whole program is on that uh, and mental health and autistic children. And he worked a lot with autism. Uh, but autism, like it's, it's, and I mean, it's like, it's booming like crazy, but like you said, it's a multi aspect and so many people get triggered. I'm like, well, we just have to ask better questions. Like, where does this come from? Like how did, cause it wasn't there before and it's only getting worse. I'm just like, you know, we have to ask these proper questions. Um, oh, okay. Yes. There was one cool thing you said. So when women were actually, so when you're conceiving, but there was one cool thing that I saw about immune activation is the time of the year that you conceive. So women that were conceiving uh, during the winter, it would be, sometimes it could be worse because you can get more sick. So I'm just like, okay, I'm not telling you, maybe you should think, maybe have a child like in spring. I don't, I don't know. Is there, to your own opinion, just like, why not? Like, let's ask, is there a, better, a best time of the year to actually as much as people want to, and I've had this, like, happen to my friends all the time. They say, I want to get pregnant now or specifically, but it never turns out to be <laughs> that way. Or it's on a trip or it's in Vegas or <laughs> somewhere else. But would you <laughs> would you say um, this is something that actually you've come across or or a pattern you might have seen, like, that kids that are having more issues were actually conceived in wintertime? I haven't seen that clinically, but it does make sense. I mean, a lot of people do have more sickness in, um, you know, the fall kind of winter. For me, I rarely get sick, but if I do, it's 100% of the time in the summer, always in July. I don't know why that is. <laughs> But I also, when I was pregnant, because I am aware of this, I was not, I was not sick my entire pregnancy um, because I, it's not to say something's going to happen. I don't want women to be like extremely. No, no, exactly. Yeah. About it. But um, I think it goes really far beyond that where I do see so many moms and kids that I work with who, you know, their kids have autism or a number of other things and they had a lot of infection in um, during mm. pregnancy. So that I do see more. I do see where moms have autoimmune conditions. They've got elevated, you know, thyroid antibodies, just um, a lot of inflammation, like, you know, their fed rate, their CRP, those things are just um, really elevated um, during pregnancy. So that I'm definitely more concerned about. And I do have so many moms <laughs> that kind of come to me and they're like, I really want to get pregnant in like two months. I'm like, I can't really do a lot for you in two months. I mean, you know, by the time you run labs and you have your intake, I mean, that's like a month later. 
that you're you're meeting. So I always, <clears throat> my slogan is always like, prepare for pregnancy as you would your wedding. Like most people, a lot of women out there, they really want to have like this wedding and it'd be a magical day and they want everything planned perfectly and et cetera, et cetera. But, <laughs> but you have to prepare Ideally, I know, I know surprises happen, but ideally if you can, and if you're aware of this, which is why I just want to get this message out there and podcasts like this will help, you know, with that reach that Mm. not enough, but just, if you can just a year before you plan to conceive, just start working on preconception health. (laughs) This is so good. I think I found the caption for this episode. (laughs) I think this is going to be treat preconception just like you would do for your wedding. Oh my gosh. This is the caption. This is going to be, <laughs> this is amazing actually. And, and it's so true. And I have clients like in running the genetics and, and, you know, I'm so busy. I got my, like, I just had a client recently just got married, but I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, really people like you're going all in with this. I'm like, kudos. I'm like, but I'm like, whoa. I'm like, if people would put the same amount of time and energy in preconception, 100%, and just like you would do for a wedding, oh, my God. I'm like, this is, and or the same amount of investment, (laughs) money into this. I'm like, you will have the better. How expensive are weddings? I mean, I think I. I mean, I haven't got, uh, well, no, that, that's another story for another day. I can't say I, I didn't get married, but whoops, <laughs> at some point in my life, <laughs> we do things when we're young, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, this is like such a huge thing. I think investing in your help now, or it's not even like in the message that what you're bringing as well is you're not just investing in your own health, you're investing you know, you're, you're investing right now in in some child in a child that will be born, but it's responsible. It's responsible. I mean, you're responsible f- for it all, um, and I think that's my thing with this. I, I I think in kids, kids deserve the best. Period. And I mean, and if you're, and I'm not saying it's. It, I don't want this to even come across like it's being hard on people, but I'm like, if conceiving a child is so darn like meaningful and for so many people and for some good reason, you know, I personally, I I'm open to it, but will I have a child? I don't know, uh, with the right partner and stuff. But the thing is, I think it's just so important. I just, I, I, I just, it just pulls my heart when I see kids suffering from obesity, from malnutrition, and or all these behavioral, uh, I would say, issues or concerns. I'm like, it's not normal. And this is where I think having these, these harder conversation and to, to really shaken up people, like, listen, this is not normal. We can do something about it. There's times it's harder, but I'm like, would you rather invest now for having a, such a healthy living children that thrives or with potential risk. Um, I mean, a kids with autism, the, the amount of work that it takes, I, I don't even know. I can't even comprehend or understand what parents even go through 
uh, with children that they're not the problem. I mean, it's not their fault. Um, and it's it's bigger than just the, the parents' conversation where I have, like, this is a social economic issue that we have. This is, like, a political issue that we have. But, and I think, like, preconceiving, like, kudos to you because, I mean, we need more people that will address that. So, yeah, I know that was, yeah, I don't know if that was you, a rant, but. <laughs> no, and, and I'm mainly talking to women who want to have more kids or who haven't had kids yet. You know, if you, if you have already had your kids, you know, don't feel guilt. I mean, I do work with a lot of kids mm. and I'm able to, you know, help, help these parents, um, with, you know, their child's, you know, constipation, their eczema, autism, things like that. But, um, really just the, the stress I see from, from parents, you know, when they're dealing with just like chronic gut issues and, you know, behavioral stuff, um, mental health issues with their kids, um, autism specifically. I mean, those, those moms, there's, there's been studies on autism moms and how they've got like more cortisol and more stress. They experience more stress and like combat soldier soldiers. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, wow. even if you can, help these parents and, you know, heal these kids, um, and get these kids in optimal health, which I fully believe is absolutely possible. I see it every day. Um, you know, that, that stress <laughs> that you'll have to, you know, endure. And it's just, it's, it's just easier if we can just reach parents before, before they, they conceive. And I always say like, it's a fact with research that complications in pregnancy have a high association with chronic disease across the lifespan of that child. And there's a very clear link between health in the prenatal period before birth and the postnatal period after birth. So if we can just focus on mom and dad, you know, it's not just mom. Um, we know men nowadays. Yes. They've got, you know, lower testosterone, like the metabolic issues, which I'm sure you see, um, you know, some of the dads I work with, um, I, I just, in the husbands I work with, like major metabolic issues going on. I see just so many things brewing and, you know, with, even with like sperm count, motility, all of that is down. <laughs> so, you know, dads definitely play a role mm -hmm. as well as moms, um, and ideally, you know, I, I do actually work with some moms and dads, um, some women and men, you know, before they conceive. And I always love that. Like when they contact me and they're like, we both want to be in optimal health. Um, we want to conceive in like a year. So I, I love that. Um, that's probably my favorite thing is when, you know, I'm, I'm connecting with a, 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 a woman and, you know, her, her husband on preconception prep. Oh, that's so good. And I think like this is a, a huge thing and or a big misconception with that, that it's only it's only about the woman, the, the woman, the mom. No, it's both. You know, your your sperm has to be so healthy. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's very sad because I mean, if, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's like, you know, in a male perspective or brain. It's not a conversation I've had before per se, but I'm like. How do we think that it's actually just about that, the, the mom, you know, I just, uh, it blows my mind. But there's one thing with like B9 and when we go back to like MTHFR, how it's so important in the first, it was it the first six weeks and, uh, of preconception or after conception, 
I recall, and how in neurological development and all these things, there's a very tight, tight, tight window in in response to like that specific nutrients. And I think a lot of people, and it's so it's seen in a lot of people with like autism, with MTHFR, we're looking at multiple, like infertility is going to be an issue. Um, There's so many things. Preeclampsia, I can't recall like what exactly, what preeclampsia is uh per se but maybe you can approach on that and i know i know mthfr is really connected also with um with preeclampsia yeah i i think you can really tie back tie you know tie that back like a lot of um you can look upstream for really any like complication um in pregnancy and um even just even with women who don't have hg and they've got you know nausea just in the first, you know, we've, we've kind of been taught that that's normal, but, you know, I do feel like I do see a lot of, you know, not with women with HG specifically, I do see more deeper root causes, but even with women who have just like some nausea, um, <clears throat> like morning sickness, you know, I do see a lot of like liver gallbladder kind of stress, um, not getting enough protein and blood sugar imbalances are pretty huge. So I think just getting, an optimal health before can really help you kind of go through those months of pregnancy, not feeling miserable and, you know, not having to be, you know, on bed rest and just, you know, have it be like a really, it's almost like a year. So, you know, <laughs> it's pretty darn long feeling like this, a, a shitty every freaking morning. It's like, it's sad. I'm like, like yeah. kudos to a woman because I'm like, man, I have no idea what women goes through. Like it's, there are completely different, like being like, it's completely different. So many things are so different with, with, with female. And so you have to consider that. So it's a, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a full-time job. Yeah, <laughs> my I, goodness. I almost like hate bringing up the Kardashians. They're like always on my, like, I don't follow them. I don't watch the show, but I always seem to still know what's going on in their lives from social media. But, you know, even when you look at the Kardashians, there's so many of them and, you know, th- Two of them have had to use surrogates to conceive. One had to do mm-hmm. IVF. Um, but when you look at their, and they also have a lot of health issues. Like I know, like Chloe had like has like yeah. chronic migraines. Um, Kim has psoriasis. Like they have so many health issues. And you look at their mom, and like their mom conceived kids into her forties. Like I don't remember how, like the when she had her last yeah. child, Kylie. I think it was like forty three or something. Um, but she had like no issues conceiving all six kids and, you know, doesn't have those same issues. So I think we could see like, there's definitely, some of them are gen X, um, and some of them are millennials, but, um, you can just kind of see like the progressive, like worsening. Absolutely. Uh You know, now I think it's like one in six couples have a hard time conceiving or have unexplained fertility issues and you know it's just not we're not going in a great direction (laughs) as a society no and it's not like if it's uh i mean there's like i think geography will have a higher impact in people and where you live i think your postal code does impact overall your health a hundred percent there's so much around that especially in the u.s i would say more than more than anywhere else well don't want to be like some clueless but um and in regards to kim kardashian i'm like well kim i'm like maybe we need to focus more on 
nutrition and Ozempic. <laughs> and not not, I ha- not that I have anything wrong with Ozempic. I have used uh, semaglutide. So Ozempic is not a drug, period. This is why, like, people, I'm like, no, this it's, it's a peptide. It's a protein. So semaglutide Ozempic is just, like, insulin that you'll get and give to somebody that is type 1 diabetes. Like, it's a, it's a protein. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. But, I mean, pharma just ended up putting a, a patent on some on some form so that you can actually call it a drug and make money out of it. But it's been around for like 20 years, but yeah, preconception. Like, I mean, before this is a big thing and so many people all weight loss, fat loss, all it's so predominant and it always will period. Uh, but I think like if you're, I think I'm not, I, I, I'm assuming like most of your clients, it's if they're wanting to get pregnant, uh, I, but I don't know, is it on, on some of your clients' mind that they actually also want to lose weight at the same time? I don't know if that's a thing or, yeah, uh, some, but I think the focus that. needs to be. Yeah, I do have some who, right, part of like preconception, they do want to get, you know, in just a better shape physically. Um, it's more so I see postpartum, um, than you know, preconception, um. But yeah, yeah, I do deal with a, a lot of the, the weight loss um, clients and kind of mm. figuring out, you know, I, and I think with women, you you have to have the conversation because it's kind of foreign to a lot of women. Because a lot of us, you know, I, I know with my mom, I, I used to go to her like Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers meetings as a kid. Mm. <laughs> she was doing like Atkins. Wow. Diet. Yeah. Like the, the yo-yo. Really? Diet. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us. Yeah, my mom did Weight Watchers, I think. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think we've just kind of been ingrained in us that you know we have to like count calories. I'm like, it's so much more than counting calories. You know, your 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 metabolism is just a lot more complex than that. It's not always just about like calories in, calories out. Um, there's a lot of like underlying conditions that cause women to like hold on to weight, and I see some women who just cannot lose weight and they're eating like 800, a thousand calories a day. I think, and they're like, I don't understand why I'm not losing weight. I'm like, it's, it's not the calories. <laughs> no. <not> the- <laughs> there's so no. much more. Like- Kaiko is, there's so much around Kaiko that is just like so wrong. Yes. It has a say with Kaiko calories in calories out. So that's what Kaiko stands for. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, and what I've learned is just, the more, the, le- the the less you eat, the less your metabolism, it's just going to go down. And your body has to accommodate because it thinks you're starving. <laughs> okay, perfect. You're not getting enough calories. And that's okay. We, we know what it's like. It's just like you're in your winter season. You're not getting enough food. Let's downregulate your metabolism. But then, then when you start reintroducing more food, it will be done. It has to be done pro- like in progress. But that's, yeah, I couldn't, that couldn't be further from the truth. Kaiko is just like, it's oh my goodness, that's. Some people just still do that. I'm like, it's crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things like cholesterol that's just going to be really hard to die. Um, you know, all these misconceptions in the in health. Oh, like, cholesterol. Yeah. yeah. It just takes like. And I mean, I. Never die. The, like the misconceptions like just never die. <laughs> I, I know. With cholesterol, it's such a huge thing because. When you look at the research, and I know uh, through like the blood chemistry and what you've gone through and and learn, I'm I'm assuming the same. But I realize that like w- the levels or ranges that we go by is like 
it can get higher, like, no problem. Like people under the age of 60 should be between, I know how I feel with like as low as 120. I don't know about that one, but I would say at least above 140 to up to 260, which is not even close to what, like, and anything above 200, people start, start screaming the alarm. I'm like, well, that means nothing. Right. Like, what's the what's the breakdown of, of this cholesterol? What it's like, you know, lipo- do you run a lot of lipoproteins? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. And I see yeah. so many, so many issues with the lipoproteins. Mm. Um, and yeah, with the cholesterol, I mean, I, I like to see, I think with even to make like sex hormones, you know, you really in vitamin D, I mean, I think your cholesterol needs to be like at least 150. And I do see a lot of women who mm-hmm. have cholesterol than that you know I've, I've just reviewed some some blood work last week and i had three women who you know their their cholesterol was like 110 120 Oof, yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> and i know what it's like to have low cholesterol it's been it's been a story of my life for the past three years so um but it's it's an ongoing thing that i'm like digging and I've, we've we had some help, but this is why, like, if cholesterol is the backbone of your hormones, it's going to be really difficult to make it. And poor bile, I think it's going to be the big, it's the big issue with a lot of people or stagnation, fatty liver, <laughs> fatty liver is on the rise. It's insane. So uh, there's like, I want to go through the, through this workshop because there's a lot that we can do and screen, but fatty liver on blood chemistry is almost like most people will miss it. And, um, yeah, I think it's impacting more than more people than ever. If you see like a a hemoglobin A1C of like above 5.7, start looking into it. It's so common, but do you see a lot of people or, but I mean, I don't know, like, do you, have you had people that come to you for before preconception or I haven't had that yet? Like somebody that has been diagnosed like with fatty liver per se, uh, but is that something you see commonly? I rarely see anyone diagnosed with fatty liver. Um, occasionally, like a you know a husband or a dad that I'm working with, um, who's maybe like late 30s, 40s. I see it. I feel like it is missed quite a bit. And I think most most mm-hmm. um, doctors. I mean, I think they mostly look at um, AST and ALT for for that is it you know they want it to be i mean the the reference ranges the standard lab reference range is wild i mean i feel like if for most of my clients um most things are not elevated or low when you look at it from the standard lab reference range i mean we know like those ranges are created based on averages of people who go in every year to get their blood drawn and we know a lot of those people are they're at the pathology state. They're at the diagnosis state where they've got, you know, significant well, illness. What's it? 85%, 90% of Americans are metabolically ill. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're not talking like 10%. Like, we're talking like this is population at a mass that is actually ill. Like, come on, people. Like, this is not normal. And and did you see in the past three years after the nonsense that happened – Ranges have gone bigger, wider. Yes, I have seen that. I have seen that change on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're just kind of trying to. And you can have as low as zero. 
I know they're trying to consistently widen it. So, cause they don't, I, they probably don't know how to deal with this. And <laughs> it's easier to just stretch the range and <laughs> big deal. Everything anyways is idiopathic. So we just don't know how to deal with anything. I'm not discrediting medical doctors at all. Like I, I kudos to MDs. I, I think I, I will always say this, and this is where I learn a lot because I come from a place where before I was just like so hurt by the medical system in, in many ways, uh, mentally, I would say not physically, well, physically in some ways, yes. Um, but it's like, it's hard to say like a hundred percent, but I know that it's for a lot of people that try to get healthy and, and figure out what's going on, what's the root cause of my issues and and we go through, you have to go through such a journey for most people to actually get to like, okay, where do we, I start somewhere? And when you start digging and learning, it's so overwhelming, uh, of course. But I think remembering the basic, like, you know, the foundation, but just stop eating junk, number one. It's like, it's all the same stuff that I think most people know what we need to do, obviously. More movement, walking, and all these things. Sleep being the first one. Nobody sleeps nowadays, so it's really, it's really hard to. I would say. So, how sleep impactful? And I'm sure, like this is obviously part of the conversation that you have with uh, preconception. Yeah, I mean, I feel especially with moms, um, you know, getting optimal sleep um, is really like nervous system health. Um, you really can't feel, and also blood sugar regulation is highly dependent as well on, on your sleep. And I think a lot of us were kind of like scrolling social media, like we're scrolling TikTok at night, like lots of blue light coming in um, throughout the day. None of us, people don't exercise. So their body's just like not physically tired at the end of the day. Um, You know, their body's Mm -hmm. not tired. They feel tired. (laughs) Um, But you know, I, that optimal sleep is, is definitely important. Like, how, not just how many hours do you sleep, but when you wake up, do you feel rested? Um, you know, there's there's a lot more exactly. sleep hygiene than just, you know, how many hours did you get? But we are lacking in how many hours of sleep people are, are getting. And I think even in like the, you know, like you can probably relate, like with the like entrepreneur world, there's always this like, you can sleep when you're dead. Like, <laughs> That's fucking like, bullshit. Like, come on. <laughs> You'll actually die faster if you don't sleep and you'll be counterproductive. I'm a testimony of it. And I mean, it's for, I think most people with sleep, like genetics plays a huge role in sleep, a hundred percent. Like I can't stress that one enough because if you're, you have cortisol dysregulation or imbalances or how stress or your life impacts to you is highly dependent on your genetics too blueprint yes. that's where like people with like slow calm like comt like myself yeah i'm more to have a high tendency to not cope as easily with eye spikes or cortisol or stressful times in my life which i'm aware it doesn't mean like i'm broken oh absolutely you can come on you can you can shift that this is why it's so important so and like for myself i know that and it's so funny because i track with a bio strap I don't know if you use an O-ring. I want one at some point. But it's so funny because I have my sleep onset. How long it takes me to fall asleep. It's like literally, I it takes. I have a window between, it's like 15 to 25 minutes. But the, the amount of time uh, of awakening at night is always on 
on point with my genetics, which is about an hour and a half of less sleep every night. Hmm. And that's like, it's been, I've been tracking over time and I'm like, yup, I just know that I need to have like eight and a half, nine hours of sleep. And it makes such a huge difference um, yeah, these are for so many people. And, and I think, as one re- and I'm woman sorry. as well too. Yeah. But go ahead. I, sorry. There's that delay. So sorry. I cut you. Yeah. I, um, I, one of the reasons I'm just so fascinated with, with genes, um, and I, you know, I do see a lot of women and I think that the, the research kind of shows like women typically need more sleep than, than men to like feel rested. Um, but you know, that genetic information would be very helpful for, you know, a lot of the, the women I work with who tell me things like I have to sleep, like, you know, I have some who tell me they have to sleep like nine and a half hours, um, in order to feel like rested. So it would be good to know, you know, like, are there mm. genetic, you know, mu- you know, SNPs or mutations out there that are kind of causing that for for that person? Yeah, and I think like the clock gene does so much more into it too. But it's yeah, sleep. I think it's just. Uh, I mean, and with genetics, it's just so important. It's just I can't. Uh, and and then one funny thing too, as well, with like a lot of people with histamine problem have. I don't know if you've seen this that imp- when or female that have histamine issues don't have histamine problem when they're pregnant um if that's yeah. something because no. i know with the plus big yeah i see that a lot i actually just had one of my clients um message me who's pregnant and she said um i was just beginning to work with her like but she kind of you know got pregnant so we kind of had to halt a couple things um but you know we were working on underlying conditions for you know, her, her eczema flares. And she told me, she's like, you know, for some reason during pregnancy, like I, I don't have any flares. It's like mm-hmm. 99% better. I think she's in her first trimester still. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's very common. You know, your immune system kind of switches um, during that pregnancy period. So a lot of women feel actually better. A lot of women with autoimmunity feel better mm-hmm. pregnancy. And then like right after birth, get pregnant. <laughs> Well, the cool thing with this is because your placenta produces a ton of DAO, diamine, uh, my gosh, diamine oxidase. So the the enzyme that breaks down histamine when you're pregnant, which those people that had histamine issues, they have genetics for sure in the DAO uh, or HMAT. So either neurological on a cellular level or either in the gut mostly. So if you have poor gut function, so is the connection, which is so cool, uh, but you can modulate that. But yeah, I think it's, it's such a thing that I came across, which that I was like, well, this is so interesting. I mean, so many things happen during pregnancy. It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so that thing like, but you need calcium, you need copper for this to actually work properly and you need to have healthy gut function. So, Oh yeah. You know. So many things that are, yeah. I mean, when I see like, you know, my clients, HTMAs, I mean, there's just so many like deficiencies, so many mineral imbalances. And I think one of the things with prenatals is that, you know, it, it's a one size fits all approach. And I know people love one size fits all um, because it's just easier. It's cheaper. <laughs> um, but it doesn't work for people. I mean, prenatals are, you know, you don't know if they're the, the vitamins or the minerals are in 
the best form. There can be harm taking things that you don't need to take. Um, you know, it can cause mineral imbalances in the body because the, the body works together, like minerals work together. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the issues with prenatals is it's, it's likely not in the best form for everybody. Like for me with B12, <clears throat> you often see B12 in um, prenatals as like um, the methyl version. Um, and I don't do as well with that version <laughs> um, as being like the only version of mm-hmm. B12 that I take. I do better with like a Dino. Um, but, you know, it's just like which form is best for you. It's going to kind of be like one size fits all. There's so many things in there in these prenatals that kind of cram so many things. But it's even at best, it's mm-hmm. like bare minimum and can actually cause, you know, more imbalances um, when you're taking things that you know, you, you need to know exactly what your deficiencies are and like how your minerals are balanced or imbalanced, you know, before you start taking like iron and, you know, copper and things like that, like some oh. copper toxicity. Um, so, you know, you don't really, you, it's better to know exactly what's going on. Um, so you can do like a custom type of nutritional support during pregnancy and before. Um, to really support your body versus kind of this one size fits all approach. Mm. Yeah. And I see it over and over. Like, I don't know. I've been pretty vocal around this. Like I have a big iron and copper love because obviously with like hemochromatosis. So mm-hmm. obviously as a woman, it's probably better when you're having your menses, but it's just so important. And this is where I love the, the work of Dr. Ben Lynch, especially in regards to like prenatals and like, his work around uh he works a lot for for a lot of women you know for fertility issues or preconception i think he's just such a smart man but um and iron this is a whole thing too and and a lot of people if you're going to simply just go to costco get a prenatal and oftentimes you'll get like cobalamin in the form of b12 which is non-methylated and that's an issue because for most people most people have genetics either in the MTR, MT, MTRR genes, and, and that can be an issue of methylating that cobalamin into an active form. And even in the process, you make more hydrogen peroxide, which you need glutathione in order to counteract just that conversion. We produce so much, like our body is like a free radical producing machine. Every time you make energy, you make uh, free radicals. Like, so it's not bad. Like people say that free radicals are bad for us. No, like you need some. And this is why this like um, balance effect that you need. But it's with iron. I'm just like, for me, having too much. I'm just like for female, for women, if there was one thing, I don't know if you use a lot of lactoferrin in your, in your practice, yeah, I do. Uh, but I looked at, Oh, sweet. Amazing. And this is amazing before jumping to iron because, and I'm like, I'm so glad you actually do this because iron can harm women neurologically. You could have, and it's not to scare people, but this is actually what it looks like. You can have irreversible neurological damage from supplementing iron. And most people have an iron dysregulation. You could be anemic, uh, show anemic, but you're actually not. And it's because you're dealing with, like you said, like with an infection and you have, you can have subclinical sepsis that is dormant, that once your iron, oh, are we having a connection issue? Oh. Oh, I can hear you. Okay. It's still, okay. You're, no, you're, yeah, you're still here. It's just, yeah, it's the whole, I think it's internet, but 
so this is where like I was learning this and I'm like, wow, we can have subclinical septus and it gets reawakened and it's not even in the gut. A lot of people think of like LPS, like polysaturate, just the gut. Um, but it's just, no, it can't be just in the blood. And so that's, that's why I think like the whole iron thing needs to be um, assessed, you know. And I think like one of the thing too with like blood glucose and copper, like normally you'll see like eye copper under inflammation, which is just normal. But genetically also there's people that can hold on to more copper or more zinc. Um, so that's one thing that I, you know, I like to see. But like Dofran is pretty cool. When you look at the research on that stuff, oh my God, like we had pregnant women that were completely anemic that were given first iron. I don't know if you saw that study. That was so cool because, and they were given lactoferrin. So now, and they had way better results of actually resolving the anemia and without getting the ton of inflammation from taking iron. And this is where I'm so vocal. It just mm, makes my brain. I'm just like having even practitioners in the health space pushing iron IVs and I'm like this is this should be like a life or death life or that thing because once you do this and that's why I had one of my friends she's a nurse practitioner and she's like yeah my client after she did it she felt like shit I'm like well no wonder I mean you're putting straight iron inside the blood that is not bound and attached to trans uh, like with transferring to your iron and it's not being converted in the right form. You're putting ferrous iron, which should be the ferric form that you need, but need to be bound to transferrin as a transporter. Ah, yeah. oh. I see that. So how, how do you see this? <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about this. How do you feel about this, Mara? <laughs> I love the iron topic because I have personally struggled with anemia um, for just I probably my whole life. Um, and, you know, I think we kind of just look at doctors kind of look at ferritin as like their end-all be-all marker but as you and I know like it's kind of it could be helpful for high ferritin as like an inflammation marker but it's not like it's not a great marker for your iron Mm -hmm. iron status or storage or even figuring out like what's going on with your iron and why if, if you are low if you are in fact low if you've ran a full thyroid or a full iron panel um you know why exactly is that happening? Um, you know, and I, I do see a lot of, I've had probably five women I've worked with who've had iron IVs as instructed by their doctor. And they all tell me they felt horrible after that. And like it, all these health issues kind of, um, happened after, after, after that. And, um, you know, there's so many different root causes. I'm sure, you know, like even like hypothyroidism, um, you know, like you're, uh, a lot of women are, some women, it can be as simple as you're not getting the nutrients you need to even make heme. Um, you're just really deficient. So your body can't, you know, yes. even make heme in the first place. So giving iron, it, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you can do like even with some metals, like heavy metals, um, that can cause issues with iron. Um, you know, so it's, really, really important. Um, very passionate about the iron topic and anemia, but you I know, know. I, <laughs> I, that's something I, I love it. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of women struggle with that and more men I see struggle with kind of like iron overload and 
um, yep. Yep. Bad, but women I see more like they're anemic, but they were just told to take an iron supplement. So, and even in the functional yeah. medicine space, that's kind of still what people are doing. Huge, but, huge. Oh yeah. I'm like, this is mind blowing because I actually had Dr. Christy Sutton, which she's the founder of uh, when I'm book, like she did the iron curse, which I like kudos to her. I mean, such great, like with genetics and, and a lot of people have genetics in the transferring. Um, uh, there's a lot of transferring genes also that can make you more prone to anemia, but iron overload is like, it's, you could be, it's so funny because on blood work, you could look at a, at, at a, at a, at a ferritin. But because they have inflammation and because they have low iron, it could actually look completely normal, like completely normal. You could have a ferritin of 70 or 50 or 55 or 60, but because because inflammation will raise ferritin. So this is why it's such a, it's a poor man's marker. It's good. You need it. That's why one of the issues with blood chemistry that I'm sure you've come across is like people look at it like just by marker. They make recommendations by based on one marker, and you can't do that. You have to look at like a whole picture. You have to look at patterns. Like that's how, you know, we we have to utilize critical thinking, and we have to draw conclusions and connect dots. And you know, it's a lot of a lot of work on our part. You know, that's what we have to do. We're investigators. Oh man, it's just I not was... as simple as just like, oh, you have low ferritin, great. Um, here's some iron supplement. Like it's. It's wild. Like I've seen people on iron supplements, a lot of the people I work with, and I run a full iron panel. And they're not actually anemic. So it's just... mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible. Um, just how, how people are kind of making, even with vitamin D, I mean, there's so much that goes into vitamin D. You can't just look at 25-hydroxy. You know, you have to look at a lot of different things to know like what's going on with vitamin D. And I think I've mentioned on my Instagram before, like how impactful like genetics were, like knowing my genetics. Oh, it's huge on vitamin D. So important. It's like my body doesn't want to make it for any reason. Like I can't convert it. I can't make it well from, from my, I'm like from the sun on my skin. Um, I just had, I have like all the mutations. For, for vitamin I'd D. love to see your genes because I'm like, that's where like your VDR, there's so many other genes with it too. Like that. that is more like your 25OH and your 125OH. But VDR is one, com- I have it too. Like, and that's why like, I, I, I keep, I joke a lot often with this. I said, in my other life, I was born Latino. I was born to be brown and not white. And I, Ugh, there's one thing of being Caucasian. I'm just like, people say, you need to love yourself. Yeah, I love myself when I'm tan, period. And I don't care. I will disagree with you. And I love a sexy tan. Oh, my God. That's why I'll probably, if I'm not if I'm not in, in the sun for winter, I will be injecting myself with Milana tan the whole winter. I don't care. Because it, it makes me feel so good. Have you, oh, I love peptides. But have you tried Milana tan before? I haven't, no. No. Oh my God. It does work. Let me tell you that. But there's like on and off people with mold in the mold space could be actually helpful and autoimmunity and Lyme and because it boosts your MSH. Uh, what is which it? one? What? Well, why is it a it's melanotan too. Oh. Yeah. It's a peptide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but anyways, it does work. It's, <laughs> Yeah, peptide, and that's where I've been. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I think you're far. I think you're far from your mic. Oh, 
There we go. I'll go a little sooner, closer. There you go. Yeah. Go yeah. What were, what were you saying? With peptides, I have um, I haven't like gotten down that rabbit hole yet. Um, <laughs> I'm on a lot of different rabbit holes right now, but um, I've heard a lot about peptides <laughs> and how um, helpful they can be. Yeah, I think it's it's such an amazing tool that I think will be more and more and more used coming down. Um, but at the same time, you just can't forget the foundation. And even if we, um, I don't want to just like touch base on so many things, but it, it could be, I, especially like bioregulators, they don't cause problem. Like it, it, there's no side effects, period. There's, these have been like probably the bioregulators. This is why a lot of people are so big in like organ therapy um, because there's peptides in it, like taking thymus gland or taking um, thyroid glands, right? Glandulars. That's, that's peptide therapy right there. So when you're looking at, cause I, I do take some thyroid myself a little bit or adrenal cortex or adrenal from like a beef from bovine, but you can get like specific oral forms. Uh, Dr. Kavinson from Russia, um, they have these like, crazy studies of like was it like over like 10,000 people men women and often in studies you'll see like it's mostly men uh that's why like a lot of a lot of the studies sometimes not even applicable on women and you have to consider that but it was amazing to, to see this like how there was zero like not a side effects at all with all these trials that were like massive for you that went on for like years and years of like wow this is fascinating but anyways i think that's a, another topic for another day but and like and to even like touch base with iron and just the last step of making heme you need b6 yeah. which so many people are deficient and you know and and gene- I, again i know i bring genetics again but i'm like yeah, I mean, I have genetics and B6 deficiency, like prone for B6 deficiency. That's where like genetics alone, it's not, uh, I, I, I think it needs to be run side by side with blood work. So it's, it this does. is just, uh, yeah, it's common sense. If I sense. had um, like my perfect scenario, I would love, um, you know, if people could afford it, I would love to do functional blood work, um, genetics and HTMA with every person. Um, and, yes. you know, you yes. know and then we'll have some people who do need maybe some more specialized tests like the oat and stuff like that. But it's definitely not everybody. Um, I feel like most people could really just benefit mm-hmm. from the, the blood work genes and HTMA would just be so impactful. We could just make such a difference in people's health and like the health of the next mm. generation if we looked at those things. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's not that genetics is perfect. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> What, it's been over 130 years? They still haven't even cracked the code for pH, for God's sake, like in, in human body. like, And vitamin D has only been researched for, what, 10 years now or 11 years maybe? And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much that we're discovering about the body. And it's science. It evolves. It changes. And uh, there's so much more. But I think, yeah, targeted like nutrition and, and having these tools, I think, is uh, it's great. So, it's great. But yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, already an hour and oh, I could talk all day. I love this conversation and I think it's uh, beautiful. I think we'll, we'll wrap it up, but I think like having you on, I think we'll, we can definitely have another, um, another episodes soon. And I think like 
the work that you do and helping kiddos and and mom and dads like the preconceiving it's such a beautiful work and it's so important um you know if i would would to become a dad per se at some point i don't know i mean these are all things that are crucial to do we need to look up um yeah just kids like i said kids deserve the best and um so this is where a lot of these tools and can really help a ton of people ton of people but just understanding more and that's why i think like these conversations will help over time so yeah i mean doing our parts i will i will say (laughs) well i loved this conversation sorry i loved this conversation um i think we touched on so many different important concepts that people we you know we want people to consider because i mean if you don't if you don't have your health you really don't have much if you're if you're not optimally healthy and you're not thriving you don't have enough energy to get through the day i mean you're just you're not thriving as a as a human being um so it's great mm-hmm. to get that out there so we can just make a difference in that regard absolutely yeah and and i think the sense of also like it's so funny i don't know if you watched that i just watched the live to 100 on netflix um the blue zone it's all about the blue zone and one key thing too that and oftentimes we forget but the i think for great health and it's so impactful but community 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 is such a huge thing like a you know and i think even in the health space and after like this whole like three years even for myself and i think to some level people we can especially being on the online space. And this is why I think it's so important to, to link arms with like-minded people. And if you don't have a ton of like people in your life that will support you, like that is like step number one with your health. Like it's oh so gosh. important. It's, and it's so overlooked. Um, there's so much research on, on that hmm. on and just the impact in your body, just even your immune system, um, you know, your overall health. And like for, for like now, I feel like I have community for like the first time. Um, and it's, it's definitely oh. helped me. Um, and especially for moms. I mean, so many moms don't have a community at all. You know, they're stay-at-home moms. They don't have community. They don't have like close friends. I think it's just very important for our nervous systems, our adrenals, our, you know, our immune systems to really be around people who you can link arms with and i love you know i love that that yeah and i think like and that really hit me personally myself and it's been such a huge transition but man when you're around with people and when you're used to being around people and all of a sudden you're not like you have to find that sense it's just it's crucial and i can't i can't stress that one enough and I think like the studies, like it's, it's, it's clear. I think, I don't know if it's, I could be wrong, but I don't know if it's, it, it reduces your life. Loneliness reduces your lifespan by how many years? Like it's above nine years, like something crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Absolutely. Like it's insane. And the amount they've, they've done research even yeah. on, um, and this happened to my great grandmother, but they've even done research on loneliness. And like, after you lose your like life partner, um, you know, like your husband or your wife, a lot of times, like they see a huge correlation with like the, you know, the, the surviving partner kind of passing away pretty quickly yeah. um, when they are experiencing like loneliness um, after that. Yeah. Oh, and, and I think like part of that show, what the big thing that brought to my attention and 
like what they found in all these people uh, is the sense of community, but also family. A lot of people like elderly living or moving back in with their kids and some things like how profound it is. Uh, oh, what's happening? Hold on. Trying to get a software update. Oh, no, not now. Um, <laughs> it's not the time now. Um, but it's like, yeah. I, and I think we have, it's so funny because I actually, and it's okay. I've moved back in with my parents actually myself. Um, because I ended up, you know, we're going to be renting. I ended up renting my place. This place is unoccupied <laughs> for most of the years I've moved in. But it's, I think it's such a good thing. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, man, I'm, like, being around more people and your family. Yeah. And I think, like, as we grow up, we grew up in such a... Okay, as you grow up, you want to get away as much as possible from your family. Like, this is literally what so many people we live through. But anyways, it's just, yeah, the sense of community and having people that can be there to hear you and and that connects you on such a deep level. Like, And I think, yeah, of your values, uh, how you think, you don't have to agree on everything, but you got to agree on, on many things. I, I, I strongly agree with that one. So you cannot have a healthy relationship with people if you cannot have some similarity or values that makes you feel safe also too so and the, the i think the sense of feeling safe is huge yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people the, the nervous system is not in a safe state you know oh yeah absolutely i think a lot of us have experienced a lot of traumas in our lives hard times childhood traumas so you know it's definitely huge um, in adults, in your adult years, yeah. um, to find that community yeah. and all that. Yeah. Emotional peace. So important. We can't forget about that. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, amazing. Well, this, this was a slice, uh, but where can people find you uh, or reach you? So they're looking to get and preconceive uh, preconception, want to get some work done. How can they get uh, to, yeah, to you, can... you work with you? Find me on Instagram. Typically, if you just put in Dr. Mara, Dr. Mara, I'll pop up, but I'm Dr. Mara Bargeron. Um, and I also have a website, which is the same handle, drmarabargeron.com. Um, find me. Amazing. I'll put out everything in the show notes as well to your website and uh, your Instagram page so that people can find you. And so it's so good. Such a good conversation. I love this conversation and we'll keep them coming. So, but yeah, yeah till for now, but thank you for, for tuning in, coming on and yeah, we'll have definitely more, more conversation. Awesome. Thank you. Bye everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Regen Biome Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or seeking private one-on-one health coaching, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, regenbiome.com or on Instagram at Jean Felix Turcott underscore JFT. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.